Today, I am thrilled to have Jessica Bataille as my guest on the podcast. She is an incredible CEO, entrepreneur, and dear friend. Jessica has been in the world of interior design for more than two decades. She was born in Holland to a Dutch father and a Lebanese mother and moved to Javier, Spain when she was 12, which has been her base and inspiration ever since. She is a lover of the beauty of simplicity and a master of the Mediterranean style. Her career in interior design began in 1996 when she was a salesperson in a small shop in Pedregar. In our conversation, Jessica shares how she took just one tiny corner of that shop and really made it her own. She got noticed for her signature style when she bucked against the design trends of the day and did something unexpected and fresh, selling Mexican furniture that was vibrant and cohesive with her signature Mediterranean style. She also shares a fun story about going the extra mile for these early customers that really set her apart. She left two years later in 1998 to establish her first shop and has grown astronomically ever since. Her company has grown into several brand divisions and up to 50 employees. What really stands out to me in this conversation is not only her passion for her work and making the dreams of her clients come true, but sharing this with her larger community through her sustainable recycling and upcycling of materials sourced from local artisans. She is truly mission, vision, and value-driven, and her passion is truly contagious. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Jessica Bataille, thank you so much for being on the Bet on Yourself podcast today. I am beyond thrilled that you're my guest today. <laughs> I am so happy to be here, especially because I've been following your work lately so much. I'm really inspired by it and the book. Thank you. I am I am forever grateful for all the support you've given and to this incredible community of creatives that you've introduced me to. Honestly, it's really enriched like my life here in Spain and also my ability as a founder to learn all these different perspectives and to be um, part of your network. So thank you for your generosity. So today I'm going to flip it a little bit. So in our event that we did uh, that you kindly hosted for my European launch event last week, you were asking me the questions. So I'm very excited to do the same back to you and to learn from some of your best practices. So for those who aren't familiar with you, I wonder if you can take us way, way back to the very beginning of what were you like as a child? What was your original dream? Was this what you thought you were going to do with your life or what did you imagine yourself doing as a child? (laughs) I have been thinking about this really recently, very deeply. And what kind of character I was when I was a child. I, uh, I really wanted to, actually, I wanted to be a dancer. I loved ballet so much, and I was always doing it for many, many hours every day. And, um, and also, I, I had a flash. I remember one day I was doing like, um, it was like a course in, at school, and you had the opportunity to get a, a like an actress in a, in a play. And I was really up for it. I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do in life. And I remember my, my, my father, he took me to the opera and we were, we went to see, um, we went to see La, the, the magic flute from uh, flute from, which was amazing. And I wanted to be the queen, you know, the <laughs> queen. That, and I remember this really, really strongly. And going back at the end of the day, it's, I always said to my family, I said, I don't know where my entrepreneur side comes from because my my family, everyone, my parents are super intellectual. They love, uh, they loved also everything to do with um, more, I would say, 
more bohemian, but also philosophic side. And none of them had the entrepreneur side in them. Uh, but going back now, wanting to be that queen in some way, in the way I'm trying to also be a leader, inspiring the rest of the, the people in my team. So I think it must have been coming from really, really early in my childhood. I have never heard you tell that story before. I know you really well at this point. And I love it because I see it. One, I love that it was the magic flute because that is probably the word I use to describe you most often to people I'm when I'm talking about you, which I do a lot, is everything you touch has that element of magic. So I love that that was an, an initial inspiration. And absolutely, imagining yourself as this queen who is powerful and sure of herself and has this... Um, beautiful influence over your kingdom. I see that in your leadership style today. So I actually love that origin story. It makes perfect sense but to me. Get the play. I wrote the whole story. I was sure I was going to get it. My father was super proud of me and I didn't get any play at all. So I was really upset. And my father then went and they gave me like a robot. I could be like a robot. <laughs> it's completely opposite <laughs> to what I wanted to be. However, I remember that moment of joy, of writing it, of how it was going to be, I described it, how it was going to be. And in a way, I mean, not that I say that, I, I don't, I'm not looking for the power at all. Mm -hmm. It's more more the fact that I actually can uh, be with a team and, and there is an actually really musician side of it also, because I always said in the orchestra, it's amazing how everyone knows what to do and when to do it. And this is a little bit the same when you expand in a business and you're coming and you don't know how to delegate, which is the hardest thing to yeah. do. And you're like two people and then you're three people and then five and you say, I'm never, ever going to have time to teach these people to do anything. So I'm, I may as well do it myself. That's the first phase where you go through it. Right. And a little bit more and then you think, mm, this is never going to happen. This is not, they're not going to know what to do without me being there you know this this feeling but then suddenly when you start going into a structure which you can learn which i never knew i could learn because as i i said i i didn't have the skills i've never been to business school and it was really hard process but as soon as you start implementing certainly the processes that you also teach us um you realize that people start to understand. And then suddenly one day you say, hey, they don't really need me all the time. <laughs> then the officer's like, is there any question? They said, no, 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 no. I'm like, okay, I go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think that's the perfect analogy for what I've seen in your leadership style. You are the conductor of the orchestra. You have learned that you don't have to be the master violinist and flautist and you know play the drums. You don't have to do all of all of those expertise, what you've done is assemble a team that really together following your leadership has this um, beautiful flow to it. But let's go back to the very beginning, actually, because as you mentioned, you did not go to business school. Entrepreneurship was not your original dream, but you are a creative. And I think a lot of that might come from maybe the early influences, the multicultures that you experienced in your family and in your environment as you were kind of exploring and expanding your personal talents and skills. Can you talk a little bit about that, that background? And, and then we'll get into your first journeys into entrepreneurship. Obviously the ballet and the music has always helped me a lot. My father was extremely creative also in that side. He supported me very much. 
on the on the artistic side uh, always I was drawing always I was always involved manually with lots of things then the side of my mother she actually uh, having the Lebanese culture and um, the welcoming culture I would say it's mm. not the, the artistic maybe in the way that we understand it but she's very much a welcoming person making you feel really good I always remember my mother and when we were a child our house was the coziest place with lots of little lights and lots of tiny little corners and I think in the welcoming where they are extremely good the Arabic side of it they made you understand that your habitat or your surroundings were uh, important for you so I think in it and then the fact that we were always moving houses every time we were moving every two to three years we were moving from one place to the other because my parents they were teachers at the university and um, this also you learn at the end to create your environment and I think that has been part of um, my thoughts also where I could eventually help people to adapt to the international internationally if they came to another country to adapt to the new environment here. I see that translating now into these, these cozy moments and something really special about not only the work that you create, like these beautiful interiors that are so thoughtful in the small details, but just you as a person and your leadership style, you let people say, we're not in a hurry. We're going to sit with this. We're going to enjoy this moment together. We're going to savor this moment in time. And I just see that beautiful Lebanese influence coming out in those special moments. You make each person feel like they are the priority right now. You're not rushing from one to the other, which is amazing because you are a very busy woman. So <laughs> I'm really uh, the anti-interior designer in many ways, because I always say to them, uh, first of all, it's not going to be my home. It's going to be your home. Then the second thing is home or an environment or any place where you're going to be. You Normally you collect the things that are around you. You collect them in the sense that at the end they make uh, the surrounding your perfect surrounding because they have a they have an emotional uh, link to yourself and that's really important so I always say take your time to live this space what I do help is that uh, especially coming the northern European coming to Spain where they come in a different habitat mm -hmm. I say as a man adapt to a new habitat and I know my habitat very, very well. We know how, where the sun is going to come in each moment. What is the wind going to be like? Which areas is going to be amazing? So I think that helps you to understand and to support the other people to be comfortable in their place as soon as possible. So something that really, really we insist a lot. Please trust us on this. Mm. However, your design, the magic and all that, let it grow with you. I think it's incredible because you've done that even now you're in your zone of genius. You're, you are the master of welcoming people into this warm Spanish sun and making them feel at home, even if they come from cold Nordic countries like my people do. But um, you didn't start out with your own firm. Actually, you started out with Mexican furniture, if I remember correctly, which is has this warm, vibrant element to it. So I can see how that um, was part of of who you are so naturally, but I wonder if you can share how you took this first entry point into interior design and made it your own, used your own talent, your own signature to create this style that is now you. I actually really love this origin story because you took a very different approach to adding your signature to what you were doing in that first job. 
Well, um, the first job that that really was uh, interesting because you, in that moment, you start to see yourself in a different environment than when you're studying or when you're even creating your own um, your own piece of art. Uh, when you're working for someone and you, there are two things. You're in that moment, you're discovering uh, what it is like to be exposed in front of the other people, which is a client, and then show your talents in that moment. But then the other thing is that I think my resources that I had in that moment, they were very strong. I had a commercial eye in what I could approach to the people. But there was one, I remember in this big store, um, where there was a lot of shapes. And I thought, how am I going to be competitive with all these other people that are selling in this store? So I see, I better choose one thing and I make it mine. And I will be the expert of that little corner. And that corner will be my corner. And I will identify with that corner and I will attract them to that corner. And that was in that moment of Mexican furniture. And I remember being in the, these times, the Mediterranean, people were thinking a lot about modern furniture and being uh, in this store with this Mexican furniture, which had already a lot of the Mediterranean character also, because there the, the was a style here, the Spanish style, which is quite similar in one way or the other. So I had to, to, to convince them, to talk to them about the lifestyle, to convince them actually that this was going to be more Spanish than Mexican in that way and at the end I choose that furniture I chose it to to be my um, my start of my business because I could create with a lot of color a lot of moods and 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 it worked it really worked and I was so happy because the people were were excited about this new style in that moment it was like a new influence coming I could travel to Mexico I could bring lots of artisans which I love also to work with the artisans and then with the fun part of it was always that um, the people that would come to the store, we would add some extra value to it. So I remember, and I told you about this story, that they would get, get a cupboard and I would paint the wall behind it. It was always one plus. It was never just the cupboard. It was just always something that I would add to it. So it was crazy. It was really fun in these times. I think there's so much for early stage entrepreneurs to learn from that because while our original opportunities might appear really small, you could have seen that small little corner and felt like that was limiting, but instead you made it vibrant and welcoming and you always add, and you still do today, a little element of surprise. You like to delight people with something they were not expecting of you. And um, I think the fact that you in selling the furniture, surely the client who bought that was not expecting you to just paint the wall behind it. But instead of just selling them an item, you sell, you gave them this whole experience. You made something larger out of it and you took this small opportunity of influence and really expanded that. It was present in that earliest stage and it's absolutely present today. I think it's such a great example to entrepreneurs out there who are just trying to get their earliest start. I mean, competition is always going to be around, right? Mm -hmm. You feel that there's a lot of people in the same I'm being really a visionary is relatively um hmm. I would say it's a chance but also it's sometimes it's bad you know to go in front of the, the the market price or range of what people are looking for it I think you have to be in the niche of the market many times as much as being a visionary you have to be in the right place at the right moment 
and add another value to it. And this was this working in this big store where there was it was huge and there was more people working. I had to find my niche of my company and people were not touching me. They were like, okay, she has got that corner. Fine. She can keep it. You know, nobody was interfering with me with it, which was great because they were not interested. They were thinking that the more, the more you give, the more choice you have, the better. So they were quite happy that I was focusing on one spot. And I think it's incredible that you weren't tempted to conform. You you went against the trend of this modernism and you went into this vibrant, warm thing. You did one singular thing really exceptionally well. And people gravitate to that when you're, when you really do something with, with surprise and expertise. I wonder, do you remember, was there a moment or were there a series of events that led you to realize it's time for me to start my own company? It is time for me to not just have a corner, but to really make this my own. Um, yes, I think uh, in the moment that you, you think you can give so much more and especially when you're um, in a big company where they're not really bothered about your uh, vision because they are thinking about the global vision of everything. At that moment, I, I thought, okay, it's time for me to make my, my, my own path and to choose and to expand this vision because for me, it was a hot product, you know, it's so like, listen, uh, nobody is looking at this, but this is my hot product because I was actually focusing on that. And the more you focus on something, the more expertise you, and the more experts you become of that and the more possibilities you see on it. That's in everything that I do. I think the more I, I look into it, the more I realize the, the opportunity that I have around of it. So I really think that it came naturally in that way. And I had no, no choice. It, it really, naturally, it came out of me. I had to expand. It felt like the inevitable next step. Yeah. I know for a fact, though, I had that moment as well. You know, after 15 years in Silicon Valley, I had that same moment of awakening of like, you just feel compelled to do something that on the outside might feel a little crazy. I didn't really have a business plan or I didn't know how it was going to grow. I wasn't really sure my niche in the market. What was that early stage process like for you when you started your company? And then at what point did you realize, okay, this can't just be, this is larger than just myself and hiring that early team? Um, I think the best part of it is uh, I was young. I was really young. I had a lot of energy. And when you start your own business, the, the start is actually the best moment. It really is like you, your power is limitless. It's all, all, every sense, everything you have to do, it doesn't matter if you have to do um, the deliveries or you need to do um, the cleaning or you need to expand in, in any other way, you have so much energy because you know where you want to get to. Mm-hmm. I have to say that the, it was a happy time for me. It was a very, very happy time. I was, I was successful. I, had, I could speak several languages in that moment in the market. There was not a lot of people there. So mm-hmm. it helped. It was a kind of a wave that helped me to grow. Once I, start grow, I started to grow with more um, people in the team, then it becomes harder because then you have to delegate. And you, that's yeah. the timing where I think you start to have less fun and it becomes more of a, of a work. And then, and if you're a workaholic, then you say, okay, I work 24 seven almost. Because <laughs> yeah. I, 
do because the more people there is, the more you have to delegate and the more you have to find out and administratively also. So I, I really think that the middle part is the hardest, the beginning. And maybe now that I would say that the expansion has grown in a different way, I think it looks very similar. I'm mm. coming to roots. I'm actually trying to go back to that illusion at the beginning of what did I wanted to achieve. I'm thinking every day about it, where, where what, what was that made me really excited? And, um, and you become that child in a moment again. It's amazing, but the energy comes back. And that is fascinating. That's an incredible description. I hadn't really thought of in that way, because the for me, and maybe because I wasn't young when I finally started my own company, I was tired when I started. That early stage was really hard for me to fit my niche. But you're so right that once you know what you're trying to serve, who that client or customer is, and you know that what you're giving them is value, gosh, that's a great feeling. And you can ride that for a while. And you're so right. Now, as my team is growing, I'm expanding into more people. It's true. You're delegating the fun parts of your job. You're delegating the the parts that used to be your favorite. And then hopefully on that other side, when that, once that streamlined, then you can get back into that element again. And I'm finding myself writing that, that same wave that you're describing. I haven't heard it described that way before. And it absolutely rings true for me. So you've actually grown this company into multiple brands. Can you um, walk us through the evolution of the brands and the different concepts and the different types of people that you're trying to serve? And also some of the challenges that have come along the way, because you are very modest, but you are extremely successful and you have scaled very, very quickly, which I know is not easy and not every day is as perfect and beautiful as, as the products that you design. Can you walk us through that growth and, and how you've pivoted and kind of stayed on top of this incredible success that you have? Oh, thank you. The, I think um, the success that you describe, um, it's internally, I think I still have a lot to grow and I still have a lot to do. And uh, what I do know is that our expansion came in a very natural way. And also we have been very focused in always adding value to everything that we were doing. At the beginning, I remember starting with furniture we were not just selling furniture we were selling furniture with uh, wall uh, paint uh, we would do anything to 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 you be to be able to compare to what is that i offered to the other one and the, and then we started with the turnkey projects and we did the same we tried to make it really easy for all the people that were coming to spain to have it in hands just Everything was looked after from A till Z. That, I think we went way beyond what what they expected, always. In the whole process, we made it really, really easy and we delivered until the last minute. And we never spoke about extras until they could see the whole result and they could feel it. That part, when we started with with the turnkey projects, we said to say, we may as well start building our own properties. So we also make the time shorter because people, when they come here, not only they come to enjoy and they want to know that it's going to go fast and they're going to be able to enjoy it immediately. But if we can make the process of the building, which is a very hard site of uh, it's painful. It's it really is painful and it's where the trust, you lose the trust the most because people want to know in every moment what's happening 
they want to be informed. So we wanted to short that part also. So people can go directly to their home. They come with the suitcases, they walk inside and they start to enjoy immediately. So that's Bataille Living. That's the concept where we have our own promotion, where we do our um, renovations and also the, the, the final, I would say, delivery on the furniture and the decorations and all that. After that, when they bought the property, we realized that still they didn't want it to let you let go. So what, uh, what happened is that after you have been holding their hands and they come to a country, in that moment you have their trust. They become your friends. And not only that, is that the house is, is always alive. Your living is always still participating with letting us know what do you need? Is there anything else that we can do in the house? Can we give you any service in the house? So we created the stay residence with the concierge in order to serve these people longer and to give them much more uh, comfort in their coming uh, to the different countries. So that was the, the stay concierge. Meanwhile, what we were de developing is if we are so good in the magic at the end and we know mm -hmm. so well what the feeling is going to be when they get to that end, we may as well start also in the furniture process to offer this end immediately where people can know, okay, I, I'm going to buy a whole complete room and that room will give me that feeling immediately. I will be immediately enjoying it and I will be with, with all the details and we will serve you all so you can make it you know, livable in, this, in the first moment. Because at the end of the day, any process related to renovation, furniture, or your house is really painful. I mean, I don't know if you've been in through oh, it. It's horrible, especially in a, in a foreign country where it's not your mother language. You don't necessarily how things are done here to have someone like you just manage all of that. So you just experience that element of magic and comfort. Um, that is what I think people are, are really, really, it's such a beautiful service that you offer beyond just the incredible art that you provide them. So yeah, it makes perfect sense. This evolution of additional services and anticipating the needs and anything that could remove the enjoyment of the project. Because for so many of your clients, this is a dream that they've been looking forward to for a long time. This is maybe a retire where they're retiring. They've, they've worked really hard and they want to come to an element, or this is their getaway, their summer home where they're coming to host people and feel special. And I imagine the stress of construction and remodeling is not part of that original dream of theirs. Hard considering that you are far away, you're 2,000 kilometers away, you don't know what's happening, you don't know the language, you don't know who you need to approach. And this is this is something that I think is a, takes a while, it takes a long time until you adapt to a different country because everything is different. So it really it was needed to be there next to them. And we our slogan is always, always we said we are with you because it really is like that. We are with them in every stage. Hi there. I just wanted to take a quick break from this fascinating conversation to invite you to buy my book, Bet on Yourself. It's available wherever you like to buy books. In Bet on Yourself, I'll take you on a deep dive into the best practices I collected by watching the exceptional careers of my CEO mentors, including Jeff Bezos, Marissa Meyer, and Eric Schmidt. I also share stories of what it was like to work at Amazon and Google during the foundational years of those companies and the internet. I use my own career as a case study for how to translate the habits of these super performers into any career at any stage and within any industry. 
I also attempt to answer the question of why all three of these celebrity CEOs chose to partner with me in order to fulfill their most ambitious goals and how I am now going to do the same for you. While these stories are fun and fascinating, what I hope for most is that you will walk away not only inspired, but with a playbook for how you can take action, recover from setbacks, and create your own wild adventures and joy-filled success stories, and a work-life centered around your personal mission and values. Okay, let's get back to the podcast interview and more examples of how taking even seemingly small bets on yourself can lead to extraordinary results. So you have recently celebrated 25 years, if I remember correctly. As you think back about how your services, your companies, your brands have grown, as you look back, are there particular moments that make you especially proud? Maybe it was a really hard moment of a challenge that you overcame or really just watching kind of how people respond to the beauty that you provide them. Is there a memory or a story that stands out that you are particularly proud and and well it's funny because i i going back to the moments where i'm proud about is that um first of all i've been always loyal to our style we have been expanding in many ways and there were trends and there were different things coming up and everything was you know different in 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 many phases in 25 years you go through one, you, you're a different person also. You go through phases like you have uh, one style in a moment and then you change to a different style. But we were always very loyal to the style and to the Mediterranean lifestyle. So that I'm very proud of. But also, I think to create the community that we have created, because at the end of the day, I always said the reward will come after if there's joy. The first of that we need to deliver then they have to enjoy it. And then they will come back to us in any way with trust and with this uh, loyalty also and to be part of more. If they want to have more, they will come back to us more. So we always concentrated in organizing music events, organizing arts exhibitions, trying to meet the people with us, making them feel comfortable, booking even restaurants, telling them what was happening around us. At the end of the day, I visualize the interior design or um, or I would even say when you buy a house, you're buying a life. And that's why we say also the slogan, design your life with us, you know, because at the end of the day, you're not just buying a property in Spain. You're buying the lifestyle that you're achieving and getting in Spain. And that, when you come from the beginning without knowing, it means a lot of different things around it. So I think... We have been very, very close to the customer and we have listened very well and we have never, ever questioned whether that was going to be profitable or not profitable. It was part of the, the, the it must, it must be comfortable for you and it must be nice because if you don't enjoy, you're never going to think about this project as the best project in your life. This is something that I have been per- consistently impressed with the way in which you lead and the vision that you have for your company. You're you're one of the entrepreneurs I've worked with that has the most presence of mind about 
really thinking about your living legacy, not thinking about that, you know, my values and my impact in my community are something I will do later. Um, you know, thinking about how can I give back? How can I be part of a virtuous cycle of, of providing this, not only to the people who are your clients, but the community around you. Can you describe a little bit about the value center of your work um, inside and outside of your business and what you think this legacy is for you in this next phase of your career, because I know this is very close to your heart and I find it so inspiring. Well, it is actually, um, which, what is amazing is our recycling, um, recycling in general has been very important in our company for many years. And we have always said we would reuse a lot and we would also because not only because of the sustainability part of it, which is part of our values too, but also because it's a fact of um, uh, being more um, ecological also with our thinking. We don't need to buy if we have the resources around us, but also if there is a beauty in the past, why would we use new things if the beauty of the past is still the soul of the project? So we always tried and we intended to reuse that for that reason. But in the, in the whole process that we have been working uh, these past years, I've realized that in the reuse and the recycling, there has been so much more added value that we have been able to give. And in the expansion, with all the houses that we buy, which we recycle, 85% of the houses that we are doing now are recycled, uh, new built only when they have a permit. And we see that we could uh, make it a better and more sustainable project for it because uh, for us it's very important to build passive houses which are um, very uh, energy efficiency is very important for us also in the whole process. So meanwhile, when we're looking in all this recycling of the houses, there are different moments in the process when you do, for example, you buy a property and then you renovate it there was a license time and there's everything that is in the process that this house stays still. And we were thinking, what can we do with everything that we get and we receive in a timeline, but also in the furniture that we receive that are perfectly in good condition or in um, suppliers from our uh, many suppliers that we have, they ha end up having a lot of wasted stock that's, Okay, the, 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 they can sell it for a cheaper price, but many of them, it's not even in their interest to sell it. They really want to give it to a better purpose than, than selling it. However, as being a creative team all around us, we thought you need to be a coordinator of all that. You cannot just ask them. So we were thinking, how can we uh, use all these leftovers from companies from carpenters from painters because even paint i didn't know i don't know if you know but it, it doesn't you cannot leave the paint that uh, has been used for very long so you have to give it another use very quick a carpenter he has got leftovers and he, he can help and, and and to renovate even some of the old furniture that needs to be sanded or anything like that so we we make everyone participate participants Hmm. We make them a whole group of people where we work together and we actually recreate the space with this old furniture and also some of them are new furniture and we give it away because giving it away, you give it a purpose. It's a, it's a, it's a new life for someone that needs it. 
And there's a lot of people that are in, in a very, very difficult moment. And you would never give your home as a priority. You would think about other priorities, but you don't think that your beautiful environment is going to make a change in you or that it's going to be, I would say also, um, it's like you don't permit yourself to have that luxury. It's, it's, it's always has been seen as a luxury, but for me, it's basic needs. Mm-hmm. And you can impact their life with that. So our aim is to, for every new space that we create, we want to give away another space. And we really are achieving this in a very easy way. It's, and the only way to do it is with the people that we already work with, because we all have in our hands things. It's, it's like a, when you have hot product in your hand, but you say, okay, I need a coordinator. I need someone that is creative, that does something with it mm-hmm. and puts them together and then find someone that really can use it. So we are really now with, it's called uh, Share Your Space. I'm getting the team very excited when they think about a project and they think about recycling or reusing, they always have in mind Share Your Space. So they are building it up as a habit, which is amazing because I don't want, I, I don't expect them to do it um after their working time they do already so much for the company and i understand they have their life but if they use this thinking while they're um in a site visit or they are in a property or they're getting to a client because clients many times they say we don't know what to do with what is left over but they can immediately see the opportunity of this and their creative mind makes it work in a very, very, very interesting way. And what we are achieving with that to make people happy because people, they, they get a custom and an interior design ambience and they even think they don't deserve it, but the impact that you have in them and the happiness that you give is unbelievable. It is incredibly inspiring to me. I so appreciate that perspective that having an environment that supports you and inspires you and makes you feel valued is not a luxury. That is something that this community deserves, especially those who are under hardship. Um, I have every year for the last three years, I've judged uh, a entrepreneur award um, for it's called the GoTech awards for entrepreneur of the year. I'm in the middle of interviewing the candidates, the finalists this year. And one of the six elements they've asked me to evaluate is called the triple bottom line, which is people profits and planet. I am so surprised at how many people do not have something that encapsulates that in what you've just beautifully described is it's so natural. There's so much opportunity that's just there for us. And when you invite your artisan partners of painters and carpenters and suppliers and just let them know this opportunity is there, it takes almost no effort on their part. And you can be the consolidator and create magic out of these small discarded elements. It feels like it's done with no, no, yeah, it's naturally done because mm. you, it's a leftover. It really is. It's, it's actually a stone in your shoe that you find in front of you and you say, what am I going to do with this? When you don't have a purpose, you don't know what to do with it. But when you have a purpose and it's addictive, it's extremely addictive. When, you're, when you know that you can reuse things you get in that mindset where you, you, you become more creative with the tools. 
And that this is something that the buying and we are, everything is so accessible and in a big company and we are 50 people really to get their mindset of the reuse, but not for us to help other people is my objective. I really, really believe that it will give them so much more back than to me. It will nurture their, their mission. It will really, they will feel that they are part of something much bigger than being part of the, my company. I want them mm. to they have a purpose and they can do. And, and, and I'm sure that there will be people that uh, are even going to shine more in, 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 in this new concept because they feel that it's aligned with sustainability so much more than buying, than going to go to a supplier so easy. You just go to a supplier, you, you come back. But when you need to find the resources, it's so much more interesting. I think what you described is the answer to a question I am most commonly asked by clients or in interviews, which is how do I get a team of people who are motivated, where I, as a leader, don't have to push them, which is exhausting. How do I prevent burnout? How do I have a culture of tenacity and grit and ambition? And what you just, just described is it. It is when you have a mission that is larger ju than just the individual and they're, they're long to-do list. And I know your team is very busy. These lists are never finished. There's always the next, but the reason why they keep going is because there's such beautiful purpose behind it beyond just ourselves of what you're contributing. That's larger than just my career, my life, or this company. But when you're contributing to a community of people in such a meaningful, personal way, that is how you get that next level of effort and creativity and joy in the work. And I think you've cultivated that so beautifully. It's true. You do get a lot of joy. And um, and at the end of the day, I think it will be implemented. I hope it will be implemented in all companies because I think it's also our, uh, our I wouldn't say the obligation. However, um, we want to be aligned and to think that we, we can give much more than what we're doing business-wise only. It's not, it's not, I, I'm, it doesn't fulfill me to think that I'm just doing business or I'm even, I want to give happiness to as many people as possible. And the Mediterranean lifestyle, if it could be accessible to as many people, it's great. These houses, sometimes they're eight months empty. The houses are imperfect. They're Some of them are furniture. Not, but you could invite people to have a holiday. Mm. Why would I have them empty? Invite people to have a holiday and, and, and make them enjoy it. Because that is part also of this waiting time where, where we, we're trying to do things in a, in, a, in a very efficient process. But there are things that you, you cannot control. You know, licenses you can control or, you, or even what you find in, in, even in construction. Uh, when you find materials and you find things, sometimes you can't reuse them in your project. You need to use them in another project because it's not efficiently, you can't, um, it's not sustainable even sometimes to use it in the same project because technique-wise it's different. So yeah, I think we have to, to think beyond that. Well, I, I think when we open ourselves up to thinking first about what is our purpose and our passion, these solutions present themselves. When I see a mistake of young entrepreneurs, and this is more true in Silicon Valley in the States than what I've seen with European entrepreneurs, but when you're profits first motivated, 
you can't see those opportunities. You see just limited, you know, spreadsheets and deadlines and runway. And when you first think about what am I serving? What am I trying to contribute here? I have found that when you're really aligned with that, the profitability follows. It just is a natural byproduct because you attract the right uh, people and energy around you. Jessica, you've been so generous with your time. I could literally talk to you for hours and thankfully I have access to do so. So I'm grateful that this isn't our only chance to, to chat. But as we wrap up our conversation, I wonder, do you have any advice for a young entrepreneur, maybe a young Jessica out there who is thinking of taking a chance on herself, wanting to follow a dream and an idea that she has, what would be your advice um, as she's thinking about when is the right moment or how can I know when it's time to bet on myself? That's a very, very good question. I actually wanted to thank you for something because after Mm -hmm. reading the book and also about the book presentation, I thought about the the your your thinking and about even the title bet on yourself is when do you when is the moment what you just said i actually have implemented in my daily or my weekly routine i'm actually inviting young people at the age because i see my 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 son he is now very young and he doesn't really know what he wants to do he's got some skills and he has got some knowledge he's got passions also but he hasn't got the, the, the drive, the exact path in front of him. So I've invited every week, I'm going to have someone in my team who's going to be with me and I'm going to explain what interior design is because there is a girl that came actually today and she is like, I really like interior design. don't really know where to study and what to do. I said, first of all, come to the company, see what it is, be with us, understand what it is reflect yourself, ask the questions to them. What do they like? What do they don't like about interior design? And she has been shadowing me all day. And when you're with these people, the energy that you get from it is unbelievable. And I really think that it's something that we forget. We forget to give that time to other people, but it's our, uh, we can make a change in them. We really mm-hmm. can make it in, in their hope and in their understanding because there's so many people they say oh I started studying this and I realized at the end I didn't like it at all what can I a working place so I would say try to reach a company or be in a big or small or big company watching what others do reflect on them and try of course if you can be in a company that inspires you Try to understand what does it exactly make you feel, because mm. uh, we forget that we forget to feel, and the feeling is what stays in you. And I'm, as an entrepreneur, I'm going back to my childhood, but I'm also going back to my beginning, and the beginning, which was the drive. I think now I want to go back to that illusion. I want to be that. Uh, again where I, I I wished and I had my vision but I also had my my excitement and I had my tools my I, I knew where I was good at and that yeah. had so I would say do that, mm. Go that to and, and learn from them 
That's incredible advice. I think a particular challenge of this new generation of future leaders who are just entering the workforce now is they have this burden of social media makes everything look so perfect. All they're seeing is the end of someone else's story or the polished falsified versions of perfection. And it can be really inhibiting or paralyzing when you're taking your first steps. And I think that's such incredible advice is try it on, try something for a small amount of time, see what you like about it, learn from that, pivot that, use that to inform your next step. And don't worry about this arriving at perfection today, especially the beginning, enjoy the learning process of discovering your talents, your passions, and what you want to uniquely contribute to this world. And I also love that you are seeing this as a benefit to yourself. You as a mentor are giving so much, but you're learning from this new energy, new ideas, creativity that comes from these younger influences into your company. I'm so excited. You you feel almost like it's magic. How can they feel so excited? I, I, I've got to be excited about things like that. You know, it's contagious. Actually, there I was reflecting, and I was like, "That's so beautiful." The way she she is, uh, you know, she's showing it with with a humble way. With mm. she's looking and she's listening, and we forget we forget to do that. We do, and um, and it would yeah, I really recommend it as a leader. I would I would say do it as much as possible. I I really I'm going to implement it every week, four hours of shadowing someone. Because in the moment you're explaining, you also realize actually that what you have accomplished. And it's it's a rewarding also to your side. And even I was showing things and the way I show it, I was seeing, am I really transmitting what I want to transmit? Mm. Am I um, showing the world what I uh, want them to see? And that's a really good exercise for a leader. Oh, that's incredible. It requires a lot of humility, but it also awakens that original spark of why we're doing what we're doing. And you're so right. I've had, we've talked about this in the past in preparing for my European book launch. It's in explaining your concepts, having to crystallize the ideas and teaching it to someone else that we finally really learn the lesson at a deeper level ourselves. So I can see this as a beautiful, virtuous cycle that you're starting. I hope this inspires many entrepreneurs who are listening right now to implement the same, to be this mentor and to create that infusion of of uh, young energy back in into our work jessica thank you so much for your time today for sharing your wisdom and for all the beauty you're creating in our world and community thank you um always so inspiring to be with you thank you you're incredible